Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. From the ragged heart of the Rust Belt, this is Great Lakes Confidential with your hosts, Angie and Marty. Hi. How's it going? Okay, how are you? I'm fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential with Angie and Marty. I'm Angie. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. What a trickster you I are. I know. So today we're going to talk about Copper Harbor. Have you ever been? Uh, no. I have not either. Uh, interestingly enough, my oldest was just up there for about five years days five or six days snowmobiling yeah and tis the season yes and he sent me a couple of photos mm, two or three days ago and then this morning he sent me like 13 photos and videos of his adventure and it's all really nice looking if you're into just white snow snow and you're not (laughs) yeah that's not really my thing but he had a blast, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful that I have such an adventurous kiddo that I can live vicariously through. Because yeah, he's I'm always not, up to something. Yeah, he's always he totally doesn't matter the the season. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. He will find an adventure. I like to think of myself as an adventurous person, but when you put me next to Jordan, I I'm nothing. All right, your offspring is more adventurous. A very very much so. Very much so. He, yes, he had a great time. Like I said, sent me a bunch of pictures and videos. So I'm going to ask him if I can share a couple of them because they look really neat. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know that I would. I don't have the winter clothes for it. I don't have the fortitude. I don't have the desire. <laughs> yeah. But Anyways, I thought we'd talk about Copper Harbor. Uh, It seems like it's a pretty popular place. When I was on Facebook and I was kind of looking for ideas, Copper Harbor was one of those places that came up a lot. So I hope that we can do it justice as, you know, never a vacation there or whatever. I don't really know what I'm talking about except for the photos and stuff that I saw on the internet. A great thing to admit to. Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) I'm all about being honest. So, yeah. So... It is a very interesting place from what I could find. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of history. There's a lot of things to do, even though it's a very small place. Mm-hmm. Where's it at? Tippy top, 
all the way. It's at the end of the world. Top of the Keweenaw Peninsula? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it is an unincorporated community and census-designated place, which I had no idea what that meant. According, it's not a city or a town yet. Yes. According to the internet, it means that it is a region that is not governed by a local municipal corporation, and that is it and that it is a concentration of population defined by the Census Bureau for statistical purposes only. The community of Copper Harbor did not officially have defined boundaries and population statistics until 2010, which seems crazy to me. Well, I mean, you'd be surprised. There's, you know, places around here that are still unincorporated and all that. Yeah, see, this is stuff that I had no I like... I it's must just, have missed you know, this part of history. I don't know. You don't really learn it in history or government class. It's just something that you figure out. You know, it's a, the 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 growth the growth of a of a little town. You know, when they're mm-hmm. small enough, they're unincorporated. I had no idea. Then they incorporate. Then they get a mailbox, and then you win. I knew none of this. So the population... Or a post office, I should say, not a mailbox. Just a mailbox. Yeah, one mailbox. One, you start with one little <laughs> mailbox on the, on the side of the road. I mean, you know, I, I went with it. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. So the population of the village in 2019 was 85. Nice. Not a lot of people there. Yeah, see, that's why you're not incorporated. Yeah. yeah 85 souls. I didn't realize that a, a city or a town had to be incorporated. Like when I think of the word incorporated, I think of like a corporation. Yeah. Think I mean, that's business. that's kind of what they are ultimately. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I mean, they're all business managers and stuff like that. And that's true. You look at how mayors will travel overseas and try to drum up business. Oh, do they? Yeah. Well, I mean, around here they do. Huh. Yeah. Learning yeah. all sorts of new stuff today, aren't I? You know, you have Jim Fouts fly over to uh, Egypt to try to drum up some business for Warren. Oh. That's just an example because he's a, a, a real character. Yeah, he is. He is. So back to Copper Harbor. It is located in the Keweenaw Peninsula, which is the northernmost port. Bleh which is the northernmost point of mainland Michigan. It was initially home to the Ojibwe people who were there thousands of years before Europeans came over. Another thing that I was very surprised at, like, I, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't think of people being here thousands of years ago. And that's just my own ignorance, but. Yeah, I mean, the the UP is completely like, you know, native land in yeah, my mind. Right, but I just, like, to say that people were around a thousand years ago is just that's just one of those things that my brain can't comprehend for some reason i don't know anyways archaeological evidence has been found showing that over seven thousand years ago those who lived there dug pits in the ground and used heavy stones to separate copper from waste rocks see again seven thousand years ago i I, like it just doesn't make sense to me that there were people seven thousand years ago i don't know yeah there was a there was a great migration of uh, the algonquian people from the east coast all across through uh to minnesota oh okay that uh you know ended around the time that america was formed all right but started uh before that like when the uh you know the, the pilgrims and whatnot arrived and it was like well psh, we gotta go west we gotta get away from these dudes and oh. it was a uh, you know, like the ojibwa the uh the chippewa moved west up through the up and over into uh minnesota wait span of uh over oh, okay. a span of time yeah. moved west i'm trying mm-hmm. to picture okay because they followed a prophecy that said uh, that they would find their home when they find uh, the place where you know food grows on water and that's when they discovered the uh, wild rice of minnesota oh manumen i had uh, yeah this is all new to me yeah thank you for educating me you're welcome 
I'll never remember it all, but it seems interesting. Right. And that's just movements of one group of people. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, there are various different tribes and, and whatnot all across the states. But, uh, you know, I only really know about that. I only know about Michigan stuff. That's, well, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> So in 1836, the Upper Peninsula was officially ceded from the Native American Chippewa to the U.S. following the signing of the Treaty of Washington. Copper Harbor was host to the first mineral land agency throughout the entire Lake Superior District. Once wayfinding was established in the spring of 1843, Captain Walter Cunningham, special agent to the now defunct United States Department of War, came to the area and opened his office. By 1844, the Pittsburgh and Boston Copper Harbor Mining Company began excavating pits near Hayes Point in Copper Harbor. The development was small, but in 1845, they struck it rich. A few years later, the Central Mine, Cliff Mine, and others were opened, and they also became successful. In order to protect its interests, the U.S. government established Fort Wilkins in 1844 to maintain law and order. This military outpost operated until the U.S. War with Mexico in 1846, and then following the Civil War in 18. 67, the post was reoccupied by U.S. soldiers to serve out their enlistments. It was permanently abandoned by the government in 1870. The same year, the copper resources in the community had largely been worked out and mining was no longer seen as prosperous as it once was. 1890, you said? 1870. 1870. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, uh, the Keweenaw was a, a big big area for copper mining in, uh, in Michigan back then. Yeah, well, they cleared it out pretty quickly. I mean, that's, what, 30-ish, 30 to 40 years from the time that they found copper, right, and started mining. I think till the time they stopped mining, I think, you know, there's still copper up there. There's been copper up there for... Right, but I'm saying it, it's no longer, it's no longer, like, the primary... Right. No, I mean, it's, I think, you know, the, the, there's maybe one active mine. I don't think there's too many active mines up there anymore. Yeah. Um, if they are, they're probably owned by foreign interests, because that's sort of the way things go these days. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the whole key when I was, uh, that was Copper Country. Just, what I find fascinating, like, just down the road from Copper Harbor, uh, you have uh, Calumet, Michigan, Mm -hmm. which right now, you know, Probably it just seems like a small little city up in uh, up in the UP. But back in the day, like a hundred years ago, that city was booming. It was like a real booming city in the UP. Mm-hmm. Calumet, yeah, big we'll, mining city. We'll talk city. about it one day. Yeah, one day we'll talk about For it. Sure. I suppose you can carry on with with Copper Harbor. Just trying to uh, drive home the importance of the mining industry. In yeah, the UP. well, it's just I think what's most interesting to me is that we're talking about people that lived there seven thousand years ago, mm-hmm. and then like I'm. sure sure that they probably had you know discovered some copper or whatever but they weren't mining it so by the time from the time that they started mining until the time that they basically depleted the majority of you know yeah i mean they weren't mining like the europeans mine by any means but they, they they even had folklore you know about the dangers of removing copper from from the great lakes oh really yeah, I think we've discussed that before. I think as far as ships, uh, when we discuss cryptids, when we discuss shipwrecks, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it before. Oh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. That's fine. There's a lot of information floating around in this tiny mm-hmm. little brain. I apologize. It's all right. No, but I'm. what I'm saying is when you look at 
you know, mining for 30 to 40 years. And then they're like, well, it's no longer prosperous. Like there was thousands of years of time. And in the only time where mining copper was a prosperous, proper, prosperous act was for like 40 years. I'm just saying like that 40 years in comparison to how long there's been people there. It just seems so insignificant, even though it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, well, you'd be surprised. Like you think about those 40 years, but then they've also done, you know, there's also evidence that um, copper mined from the Great Lakes was found, you know, over in Africa thousands of years ago. Really? So, I mean... This, you know, we think about it from just the European history perspective, what we've been taught in schools. Right. But there's evidence that that trade routes existed all over the world, you know, for aeons. Yeah. Thousands of years before we even knew that the that people existed in these corners of the world. Right. So, you know, it's very it's all very interesting. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. Right. Like, again, it's one of those things that my brain just can't comprehend. And, and yeah, and it's and it's not like I don't want anybody thinking I don't want anyone listening thinking that i'm some sort of an idiot because no, i'm trust not me, people don't know this i mean stuff i'm either. really not like i'm i'm a i'm you know not to toot my own horn but i am pretty intelligent you should play jeopardy with her <laughs> yes or i'm wheel of fortune i've got a lot of like i said i've got a lot of information rolling around in this brain the recall is where i have a problem mm-hmm. but you know in the grand scheme of things i'm a pretty intelligent human being and it just to like be able to visualize i guess is what i'm saying certain things like that is one of the things that is so difficult for my brain to see and to comprehend as being a real thing right i think it's a it's a shame that we don't learn pre-columbian history in america oh absolutely yeah i, I mean, mean they're giant you know america is littered with uh burial mounds yeah. that we know nothing about i would i would love um, to find somebody you know a native person to to talk to because we can't do these stories any justice and we, we could, certainly I mean, don't we can know mention history, some but. things like we can mention like cahokia was a, a city on the mississippi river out by uh you know modern day st louis mm-hmm. that you know was basically the manhattan of pre-columbian discovery united states states yeah it was a giant cosmopolitan city we know nothing about right because it's it wasn't a european city in america now it exists as you know some a mound complex what an injustice yeah i mean i'm curious i would love to know more about cahokia and all that yeah but that's an illinois story not a michigan story right right we got to get back to our michigan stories so after the copper boom what do you think the community did up there slowly petered out Well, sort of, but commercial fishing, mostly. Mm -hmm. So now that's not to say that commercial fishing wasn't happening prior to the copper boom. In fact, in the early 1800s, Native Americans were fishing and trading dried fish. But what I am saying is that it wasn't a primary source of income until after the copper boom. So Mm -hmm. what's interesting to me is, you know, we've talked about Lake Superior and she is... She's wild, right? Like thinking about men in the 1800s battling the elements to catch fish on Lake Superior is just... Wow, you want I me mean, go back even further to like the the fur trade days, the voyagers, and who picture these guys? You know, just these little like French Canadian dudes with about a, a a full ton, yeah, of weight of beaver pelts in their canoe that they're they're trying to cross the Great Lakes in just this little canoe with a paddle in Lake Superior. with 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 an actual like ton of beaver pelts, right. or pelts you know from mink or marten, whatever. Yeah, just trying to you know get themselves all the way back up to Hudson's Bay or back to to 
Quebec to, to cash in some of this. Whew, it's yeah. crazy to think about. Like these guys living in the bush, basically. These voyagers. That, I mean, it's it's it, that thing. That's an amazing part of of Michigan history is the uh, the fur trade and the uh, the intermingling of of the European and Native people. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that was to me like the the pre American days of Michigan had a lot of potential. Oh yeah, very yeah. interesting to see where Michigan could have went if you know maybe France won the war instead of England. Right. So not or if England won the war instead of Americans. Still pretty interesting to see where uh, <laughs> where Michigan could have been. So these fishermen weren't just battling weather, right? Mm-hmm. Like technology, fishing technology has come quite a, right, you know, quite a long ways since the 1800s. So they done all that without GPS. I'm saying. Insane. So I I wanted to kind of have a better idea of how they were fishing because again, in my brain, I'm picturing boats mm-hmm. and fishing poles because that's how I fished when I was growing up. Of course, I wasn't growing up in the 1800s. So I went looking to find out like how they like what they were using. So mm-hmm. trot lines were really popular in the 1800s until about the 1940s, and what these were. They were hooks suspended on what are called dropper lines. And then there's a main line that they hang off of. So the one end of the the main line would have been hooked on to like a tree or something on land. And then the other end would have something that floats and it would be thrown out and it would float, you know, however many feet the line is. And then it would have individual dropper lines, maybe like every two feet or whatever. That's a trot line? Yeah. Yeah. And then they would just, you know, then the fish would get hooked on that and they'd pull it all in at the end of the day or whatever. You also just demystified some Hank Williams Jr. lyrics. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there you go. Country Boys can't survive. So something else that fishermen used a lot of were nets. There were like literally so many different types of nets. And I'm not going to get into all of them because there's too many. And to me, they all kind of sounded like the same thing, just mm-hmm. with different names. So I was like, I I don't get that. The Coke net or the Pepsi net? But it was just, yeah, pretty much. Right. It was just, yes. So a lot of those traditions that were used then are still used now. Like they still use these different types of lines. They still use the nets, etc. But obviously with like a lot better technology. You know, now mm-hmm. we can use sonar and all sorts of different things to look down in the water and be like, oh yeah, there's fish down there. Or nope, go, you know, yeah. 15 knots that way or however <laughs> however they 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 talk in fishing terms i don't know seven clicks of a river's tail that right way. Right, exactly. (laughs) So the Keweenaw County Historical Society Commercial Fishing Museum in Eagle Harbor has displays of commercial fishing activities in the Keweenaw as well as, and this is really cool, they have generational family photos of those who fish the area. So on their website, which for whatever reason I did not write down, I apologize, on their website you can see photos of the inside of the museum and it like the walls are just plastered in all of these very old black and white pictures and Mm -hmm. it is so cool so uh, one of these days we're gonna get up there and we're gonna we're gonna take a look around because i was just like you know i've been wanting to go the key one out for a while yeah yeah maybe this summer i hope so it's quite a drive from detroit but Mm -hmm. you know it i think it would definitely be worth it so in addition to commercial fishing tourism obviously is a huge industry for copper harbor uh despite the community being as small as it is there are many 
opportunities to explore and get a deeper understanding of the area. So one of the oldest one-room schoolhouses in Michigan is located in Copper Harbor. The schoolhouse is over 160 years old, and on average, there are still, it's still being used, there are between 9 and 12 students attending class there. Can you imagine being like... You're such a small class. Just you and your neighbors. I mean... I mean, you know, you're in like a class where probably nobody is your age. Right, right. You're representing your grade solely you. Yeah. Yeah. And like you think about, you know, nine to 12 people. That's like the amount of people on our on our block. I mean, there's more there's more people on our block than nine to 12 people. So it's like I think about how certain people just don't get along. And like you either have to get along with all of these people throughout the school year or. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like or you're just kind of doomed to be an outsider. And it, it feels like a lot of pressure to to be a good person. To, to fit good, in with, with the small amount nice, of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it just I don't know. It seems like a lot. But it's really cool. I mean, 160 years old, that's that's a long time. Yeah. But it's still it's still going. So Copper Harbor also has one of the oldest lighthouses on Lake Superior. The Copper Harbor Lighthouse was rebuilt in 1866, which replaced an original light from 1849. And it has been out of service since 1933. So it's been out of service for a while, but man, 1849 was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. 200 years ago? 300? 300 200? years, yeah. 300 years ago, 1849. Okay. No. Two, how many? Less than 200 years. Less than 200? Yes. Well, I'm smart, but I don't do 1849 math. 1849 to 1949 to 2049 oh. would be the, the bicentennial. So... You know, don't worry about the math right now. Okay. We're not writing checks. <laughs> Bicentennial is 200? Yes. Yeah, bye. Got it. Okay. Copper Harbor has what is called the most beautiful road in Michigan, Brockway Mountain Drive. Interesting. Interesting. I know there's a couple of debates over the most beautiful road in Michigan. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Are you going to elaborate? No, go on. Tell oh. me why this is. All right. Uh, it is the highest paved road between the Rocky Mountains to the west and Allegheny Mountains in the east. Hmm. Brockway Mountain Drive is a nine and a half mile long route following the spine of a 735 foot high ridge between Copper Harbor and Eagle Harbor. I want to see this. The road was constructed in the 1930s during the Great Depression. And on a clear day, you can see Lake Superior, the Keweenaw Peninsula and Isle Royale. And I'm pretty sure that some of the pictures Jordan sent me are were taken on Brockway. Okay. So he he took his, uh, what do you call it, drone up up there and took some really cool pictures yeah i'd like to uh take a ride on that road you don't think about uh mountains in michigan really because we only have the porcupine mm-hmm. mountains right but they're worth a visit yeah for sure so speaking of isle royale there is a ferry port that provides transportation to the isle royale national park during the warmer months from may to september and it takes about three and a half hours to travel to rock harbor my brother went to isle royale once oh yeah yeah fist fought a bear <laughs> that's about all you can do there Yep. No, he didn't fist fight a bear, but he went over there. I think he may have camped, camped for the night, and came back. Like it's, you know, it's very. Um, what's the term they use when you're camping and uh, rustic? 
It's very rusty. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. How long ago was that? Oh, geez, probably like ten years ago now. Oh, okay. But they, uh, you know, they've tried to reestablish a wolf population on on uh, Isle Royale. Oh yeah, I think I remember. Like every about year, that it seems to be in the news all the time. They're constantly trying to like you know bring in wolves to repopulate, and then they had a problem. Uh, you know, they radio chip them so they can track them. Mm-hmm. And you got a little problem when when winter time comes and it gets really cold and it freezes over. They just bolt across the lake back to the mainland. Oh really? Yeah. Ooh. Like they find these wolves wandering out, you know, near Thunder Bay in Canada or something. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty cool. That's what happens when, you know, you try to uh, reestablish nature. Nature does what it wants. Yeah. There is a museum in Copper Harbor called Astor House, which is located on the Minnetonka Resort. It preserves some of Keweenaw's rarest and most unique artifacts. You can view relics from the earliest settlers, mining tool displays, and a collection of a of over 400 antique dolls from around the world. Very neat. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing my Minnetonka slippers that Jordan got me for Christmas. Very cool, but those are from Minnesota. Oh, all right. Well, anyways. In 1981, the Copper Harbor Cemetery was listed as a Michigan State Historical Site. Burials there date as far back as 1853. According to findagrave.com, the cemetery has very steep inclines. So if you're going to check it out, be extremely careful. uh, And as always, be respectful. So the most recent burial I found in my search is from 2013. And I did find some photos of headstones that had no death date. So I'm assuming... Those people are still living their best lives, mm-hmm. hopefully still in the area. What I did find interesting about this cemetery is that on a lot of the headstones from the 1800s, not only did they have like birth and death dates engraved on them, but they had their ages on them down to like the day. Yeah. So it was like 32 years, four months, 12 days. If you're looking for something to do in nature, Copper Harbor Trails Club... Looks like it's just the thing. This is definitely something that Jordan would be interested in. So they are a nonprofit organization with the mission to advocate for, develop, and maintain trails and land for human-powered activities in and connecting to Copper Harbor. These trails are open year-round, weather be damned, and literally everyone is invited to join. Their website says, quote, no matter age, ability, race, color, orientation, gender, religion, profession, or however else you identify yourself. The trails are optimized for mountain biking, but they welcome hikers, bird watchers, dog walkers, and in the winter, cross-country skiers and snowshoers take over. It is free to access the trails, but donations are what keeps them going. So if you head out there, please take some cash with you or you can check their website to find other ways to support them. And that website is copperharbortrails.org. Now, I do remember seeing on an Under the Radar episode, do you remember when they were up in the Keweenaw and they were riding the mountain bikes on those crazy? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, heck no. I'll never be able to do that because it just looks wild and they're just, you know, flying all over the place and in the woods and it just looked super dangerous, but also pretty cool. That's Copper Harbor Trails Club. So a lot of really neat things going on there. So Copper Harbor seems to be pretty nice and quiet, relatively safe, but every now and again, something really exciting happens. Bigfoot sighting? No. In 2020, celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay was spotted dining in Copper Harbor. Yeah, not sure what he was doing there. Nobody really, I was trying to find out why, if it was maybe for a show. Did he He yell? Kind of scouting out some locations, but nobody really knows what happened. So I don't think he yelled. Nobody really said that he did. This past (laughs) is. 
So another celebrity that has ties to Copper Harbor, which I know you will be interested in, is Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. So he used to spend summers in Copper Harbor when he was growing up. And I found a short film called Claiming Iggy, in which two Keweenaw Peninsula towns, Eagle Harbor and Copper Harbor, fight over who can claim Iggy Pop as their own. Oh, that's so cute. It is the funniest. It's about 30 minutes long. It's on YouTube. I'm going to also uh, post the link on our face Facebook because it's so adorable. You're going to love it. It's just really silly and just very... I like it. We should dedicate an entire episode to Iggy Pop and the uh, the, the the Stooges, Michigan. Oh, for sure, we'll definitely get to Iggy Pop. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin the movie by you know telling mm-hmm. you how it ends, but it's you yeah you'll definitely have to have to check it out. Iggy is also in the movie, so he shows up and hey, all right, yeah, it's it's really it's really cute. It's I like really this cute. town. So. That's my Iggy Pop impression. Well, he's that's spent, my young Iggy Pop impression. Yeah, he's hey, spent, I like this town. His as he gets older. His family had a home up there, and so Mm -hmm. he spent his summers there and kind of hung out. And it's it's fun to see different people that lived up there talk about, you know, how they Mm -hmm. saw him and they knew him when he was a teenager and and stuff like that. When he lived in the trailer park in Ypsilanti? That's a really, really cute little movie. So it's called Claiming Iggy, and it's on YouTube. So definitely. Before um, he went to Pioneer High School in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Along with uh, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, there you go. The Harbaugh's and the Pops. Yep, they got along well. Yeah, well, we'll definitely do an, an episode on Iggy Pop one day. And, I think we and just did. And, no, there's plenty more. To right, talk we about. need to talk about Michigan rock music. Absolutely. Talk about everything. You everything. know, we need to quit talking about what we're going to talk about while we're talking about other stuff. Well, we're wrapping up Copper Harbor now. Okay. It's it's done. Where's the uh, Copper Harbor? Where's the nearest gay bar? Probably in... Gay Michigan. Yeah. That's right. That's home of... Uh, yeah, there's a little town up there called Gay Michigan, and they're famous for just having a bar called the Gay Bar. I love it. I know it's just kind of funny because it's just been there for I don't know how long and you yeah. know you know and times were a little bit different too and people are still going to the gay bar right <laughs> I don't know it's funny I love it just the weirdness of the UP just the weirdness of Michigan in general mm-hmm. the weird loving fantastic state that it is mm-hmm. yay so that's pretty much it do you have anything more to add about Copper Harbor that you just know off the top of your head um crazy little brainiac no i thought i did but uh i don't know all right i'm probably good now okay talk about the the movements of people later yeah and i mean really like how can you top iggy pop well because there's lots of iggy stories about all over michigan all right that's fair not trying to top it not trying to top it iggy's you know iggy's welcome to go anywhere he wants in michigan kid rock on the other hand So, anyways. I don't know. Still a child of Michigan. Still a child of Michigan. Well. Takes all kinds in this state. That's... All right. I'll give you that. So, if you're looking for ways to support the show... You can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram currently. Or you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're interested in Great Lakes Confidential merchandise, you can find our store link in the show notes. And if you've got a story to share about Copper Harbor or anything else we've talked about on the show, please feel free to email us at greatlakesconfidential at gmail.com. All right. That's it. See you later. Text me when you get home. Drive safe. Bye. Bye.